Recorded live. Hello, beloved ones. Uh, this is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba here with my wife Tarina Mwamba in the United States of America, teaching from the Old Testament for the Word of Life Bible College students. Uh, Bible College students, wherever you are, I did let you know that I'll be teaching on talk show so I can compact the teaching for you so you have it in one place. And so today we are going to look into the Old Testament survey. Now, last week we had gone through the book uh, of Matthew in the New Testament. And by the way, I'll be giving you assignments so that I can know that you are keeping up with your studies and that uh, you are actually taking the notes. It's very, very important. Today we're going to look into the Old Testament survey. Now, those who didn't do the canonization, remember, we had gone through the process of canonization. Uh, I did mention to you that canonization is a process whereby all the books of the Bible went through vigorous uh, evaluation by the church fathers who, after a vigorous uh, examination and checking, they approved which books were actually canonical. Now, the word canonical or canon means a measuring rod. A canon is simply a measuring rod. That means those books were measured by the church fathers and found that these were actually inspired of God. Now, when you read from the book of Second Peter, it tells you that the Bible was written by men who were moved by the Holy Ghost. They did not write without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's why we the canonization is to double-check the inspiration of these books. It's very, very important. And so um, we are going to look into the Old Testament, and then we are going to see what, uh, how these books came about. Now, right now, wherever you are, I want you to take your Bible and come with me to the book of Exodus. Today, we're going to look into Exodus, the book of Exodus. Now, we had gone through the book of Genesis. Now we are looking into the book of Exodus. Now, I'm using, as I told you, Homan's Illustrated Bible Handbook. Now, Exodus is the second book of Moses. In the Hebrew text, the book's first two words are its title. We lay Shemot. These are the names. The English title is the name first used by the book's Greek translators, second century BC. Exodus could be rendered going out or departure. That's what Exodus simply means going out or departure. Now, we have, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the key text here in the book of Exodus 
The key text is Exodus chapter 14, verse 30 to 31. Uh, now, Homans has got the scriptures written out here. It says, that day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, now, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. Now, this is the key scripture here. Now, I'll read it in my other version. You know, I've the other, I've got the King James Version of the Bible as well. And we're going to look into this scripture. Exodus. Exodus and Chapter 14, reading from verse 30. Exodus chapter 14, reading from verse 30. See, my Bible is still hooked up on uh, the book of Acts, but we are in Exodus. Now, um, we have to have a complete Bible here, which I think, let me see. Let me see over here if I got my scriptures here. Okay, just a second. Now, anyway, we'll read what Homer will get. And as soon as I get my Bible, I will read it to you. Now, let's move on. It says here that the key term in a book of Exodus is redeem. So Exodus shows us how the Lord for his namesake, redeemed his people Israel by buying them out of slavery through payment of a price, the death of the Passover lambs. We see that in Exodus 6 and verse 6. Further, it records God's commands to those redeemed people. Now we see one sentence and summary here in our study. When God redeemed his chosen people, Israel, through his servant, Moses, he entered a covenant relationship with them and instituted his dwelling with them in the tabernacle. Now, this is very important for us to know as, you know, the children of Israel uh, moved uh, and lived in tabernacles when they left Egypt. And so, uh, if we're going to get a clarification here, we're going to look further into some scripture. Now, let's see about the author and the date of writing of this particular scripture or the teachings in Exodus. Now, Homan, illustrated the Bible handbook, says the author and date of writing. Moses, perhaps around 1445 BC, is the one who wrote this particular book, is the author. By the way, the five books of Moses, which are the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are ascribed to Moses as the author. Okay? Now, the book is anonymous. That's what Homan is saying here. Because Moses 
is the central character. However, everything in the book is compatible with the traditional belief that he was its author. Now, the book refers to Moses as physically writing down some of God's commands. We see that in Exodus 24 and verse number 4. Also, we can see from Exodus 34, verse 28. Now, scholars who accept the testimony of Scripture at first value continue to affirm that Moses wrote Exodus, assuming an early date for the Exodus, and that Moses wrote while Israel camped at Mount Sinai. This book was written in the middle of the 15th century BC. So we see from here this account that Moses and the children of Israel were camped at Mount Sinai. You remember Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai was the mountain the children of Israel camped at as they came out of Egypt after the great uh, moving of the waters by the Lord uh, of the Red Sea, parting the Red Sea, the children of Israel camped at the mountain called Sinai. And at that mountain, Moses spent like 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain as the Lord gave him the commandments of how the children of Israel should leave, which we find in the book of Leviticus, because they had been under bondage in Egypt for 430 years. Now you can imagine a people after living for 430 years under bondage, not knowing the laws, they needed God to teach them how to live, how to govern themselves without the Egyptians, and how to serve the Lord himself. So I'm going to read a little bit from uh, the book of uh, Exodus, chapter 24, and verse 4. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 4. I'm going to read that scripture. And also Exodus 34, 28. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 4. Exodus 24 and verse 4. Exodus 24 verse 4, baby. After that, you read Exodus 34, verse 28. Exodus 24, verse 4. Now listen to the word of the Lord. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the Bible also tells us here, if you read in Exodus 24, verse 5, then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. So here we see that uh, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. 
and he rose up early in the morning. Now, Exodus chapter 38, and we start to look at chapter 34, verse 28. That's another scripture. Exodus 34, verse 28. The Bible tells us here, 3428. Exodus, verse 28. Chapter 34, chapter 34, verse 28. He was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Okay, all we are seeing here, it's just confirming what Moses was doing at the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai. Moses was receiving commandments from the Lord at Mount Sinai. And these commandments were the uh, guiding post for the children of Israel that they should follow. Now, uh, like I read to you, I said the scholars who accept the testimony of Scripture at face value continue to affirm that Moses wrote Exodus, assuming an early date for the Exodus, and that Moses wrote while Israel camped at Mount Sinai. So this book was written in the middle of the 15th century BC. Now, we're going to look at the first audience and destination. The audience were the Israelite people at Mount Sinai. Now, the original hearers were the children of Israel living in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. That's when the book of Exodus was made ready for them. Now, the occasion, I want to look at the occasion. What was the occasion like? Now, although the book does not say so, the need for Israel to have a permanent historical record of the events that brought it into existence as a nation surely is what prompted the composition. If one believes that Moses received the Ten Commandments by divine revelation, then one can just as readily believe that God also promised him to write down everything recorded in Exodus. You see, it's very important for us even today that we need to record the events and things that happened to us. In this instance, you see, when God was dealing with any leader, uh, like Abraham, or when he dealt with Moses, with Ezekiel, these major prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they wrote the things that God taught them. The, the most important thing was to uh, preserve a history of the acts of God and dealings of God with mankind, with them. And also it's important for us when God is dealing with us to write these things down because we can reflect on them and see exactly what God said to us. Now, the occasion, let's look at the occasion. Although the book does not say so, 
the need for Israel to have a permanent historical record of the event that brought it into existence as a nation surely is what prompted the composition. If one believes that Moses received the Ten Commandments by divine revelation, then one can just as readily believe that God also prompted him to write down everything recorded in Exodus. So we see God's message in Exodus. What was the purpose of writing this particular message? Now, Exodus serves two broad purposes. First, it narrates God's greatest redemption act of the Old Testament, Israel's exodus from Egypt. Then the life and travels of Moses provide the organizing principle for the book. The action occurs wherever Moses is present. The first half is mainly narrative, that's chapters 1 to 18. Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Israel's deliverance from Egypt and the journey to Sinai. As is the last fourth chapter. Uh, chapter 32 to 40, Israel's violation of the covenant. We see the restoration and the building of the tabernacle. Now we have looked at these particular chapters. Chapter 1 to 18, we see the action occurs where Moses is present. The first half is mainly narrative. Narrative simply means it's like a story being told. That's a narrative. And then we see from, you see, chapters 32 to 40, we see Israel's violation of the covenant, the restoration, and the building of the tabernacle. Now, sandwiched between the historical section are the law, which are the law chapters, chapters 19 to 24. The covenant at Sinai and 25 to 31 rules concerning the tabernacle and the priesthood. Now, if the overall Bible tells the story of God's kingdom, then Exodus tells how the first phase of that kingdom came into being by God's mighty power. So God's people who read and study Exodus today should also view it in light of the ultimate Redeemer who purchased people by his own death. That's John 1, 29, 1 verse 29. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 1. We'll read the chapter 1 and chapter 2. Exodus, the book of Exodus. So turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 1, and chapter 2. I'm going to read chapter 1. My wife is here. She's going to read chapter 2. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. In fact, this one is the, I think it's the new, new King James Version of the Bible. Now listen to the word of the Lord as I read from Exodus and chapter 1, reading from verse number 1. Like we found out that these chapters up to 8, they're just narrative, which means they just tell a story. Now listen to the word of the Lord. It says, the second book of Moses called Exodus. Now Exodus is the record. I'm, I'm reading the commentary from my Bible. 
which is, uh, like I said, the New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, it's an introduction to Exodus. Listen to what he's saying. Exodus is the record of Israel's birth as a nation within the protective womb of Egypt. The Israelite family of 70, now when we say 70, what are we talking about? We are talking about the family of 70 that moved into Egypt. Do you remember when uh, Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites? And the Ishmaelites sold him to Potiphar? And then he was held in bondage in Egypt. Then he called for his family to come and join him. When they joined him, there was a family of 70. His, uh, Jacob, his father, his brothers, and everybody, and their families, there were 70. But after 430 years, the 70 grew to 3 million people. So that's what this introduction is talking about here. He says, within the protective womb of Egypt, the Israelite family of 70 rapidly multiplies. At the right time, accompanied with severe birth pains, an infant nation numbering between 2 and 3 million people is brought into the world where it is divinely protected, fed, and nurtured. The Hebrew title, we, we lay Shemoth. That's the name of the book in Hebrew. We lay Shemoth. Now, these are the names. Comes from the first phrase in Exodus 1.1. Exodus begins with now to show it as a continuation of Genesis. Now, the Greek title of Exodus is the word exit or departure or going out. Now, the Septuagint uses this word to describe the book by its key event. In Exodus 19, verse 1, gone forth out. In Luke 9:31, and in 2 Peter 1:15, the word Exodus speaks of physical death, Jesus, and Peter. This embodies Exodus' theme of redemption, because redemption is accomplished only through Christ's death. Now, the Latin title is Liber Exodus, Book of Departure, taken from the Greek title, Liber Exodus. Now, I'm going to start reading from verse number 1, going to verse number 22. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt, each man and his household with Jacob. Genesis 46, verse 8 to 27. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin. Now, we find these uh, names if we go into the scriptures. My Bible has got a cross-reference in uh, Genesis 28, verse 20, and Genesis 35, verse 23. Verse 4, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. Now, all these names are the children of Israel or the sons of Israel, who was Jacob. Verse 5. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70. So you remember that's what I said? That uh, the children that Jacob had were 70. And they settled with uh, Joseph in Egypt. There were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. You understand? 
My Bible even says it here in verse number five. Verse six. And Joseph died, or his brothers, and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. We see that in the book of Acts, cross-reference, verse 7 and verse 17. Verse 8. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Acts 7, verse 18 and 19. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than than us. And so we see here that he's foretelling Telling uh, the way the children of Israel were viewed by the Egyptians, that they were more mightier than the Egyptians. Now, verse 10, it says, it says, verse 9, and he said to his people, that's the Pharaoh, look, the people of Egypt, the people of, of the children of Israel are more mightier than we. Verse 10, come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. See, Psalm 83, verse 3, and 4, Acts 7, verse 19. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. Verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. Psalm 105, verse 24. Verse 13. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel save with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made themselves was rigor. Numbers 20, verse 15, to Psalm 81, verse 16. Now, what we have read so far here, we find that as the 70 moved and started to leave in Egypt, they started to multiply, see. And so the children of Israel, the, the, the children of Egypt, led by their own leader, Pharaoh, they said, look at these people, man, they are not applying so fast. You know, this is, this is dangerous because if an enemy army comes to attack us, these people are going to join the enemy army and fight against us. So they concluded, let's give them rigorous work. Let them work like crazy so that, you know, Maybe they want to multiply. But the Bible tells us that the more they made them work rigorously, the more they multiplied. Now, that's the same thing with us in our like, Christian life. You know, people become uh, anti-Christian. They want to attack us. They want to put an end to us. 
they will use harm of any kind that they can think of to try and stop us. They will mistreat us. But you know what? In the end, we will still prosper because God says, I'll be with you in trouble and out of trouble. No matter what we pass through, God will see you, still see us through. So we see there in Genesis, in, Je- in Exodus chapter 1, verse 13, it says, So the Egyptians made the children of Israel say with rigor, trying to stamp the life of these people out of them. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick. These guys started making brick and mortar. Their life was hard. The Bible says, All their service in which they made themselves was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other Puha. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the best twos, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then you shall, then they shall leave. She shall leave. Acts. Cross-reference in my Bible, Acts 7, verse 19. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. We see there in a cross-reference teaching from the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 6. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. You see a cross-reference there in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35. Verse 22 of Exodus chapter number 1. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now, here we see the account. Pharaoh is seeing the multiplication of the children of Israel as being intense. And he wants to cut this thing out. So he tells the midwives, the Egyptian, the the Hebrew midwives, who attended to the Hebrew women when they were giving birth. He said to them, he said to Shipra and to Puha, he said, you guys, when you are giving birth to helping doing your midwifery, if you see that it's a boy, you shouldn't let that boy leave. But if it's a girl, then it can leave because he wanted to cut down the population of the people. But the Bible said these midwives feared God and did not obey the Pharaoh. See, this is something we need to learn from. Just because somebody in leadership tells us to do things that are contrary to the word of God, We must not obey. We need to fear God. And instead, we must fight for justice to prevail. The Bible said because these women feared God, God built them homes. 
God caused them to prosper. God caused them to live in abundance. Now, Exodus chapter 2, we read from verse 1. And this, we're going to wind up our study introductory to the book of Exodus. There in chapter 2, verse number 1. And the man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But, verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with ashfort and pitch, but the child put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. We can see the cross reference there in Isaiah 18, verse number two, and Matthew 2, verse 13. If you are reading your Bible students, you need to read these cross references. Verse number four. And his sister took, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bath at the river, and her maid, maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent a maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this, this is one of the Hebrew children. We have the cross-reference there in First Kings 8, verse 15. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? We have a cross-reference again there in, in, uh, in Exodus 15.20 and Numbers 26.59. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Now, who are we talking about here? You know, it's Moses. And who is his sister? Zipporah. You know, they have, you know, Moses is born, and the commandment to kill the male child is there from Pharaoh. But like I told you, the 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 the, the midwives never killed the uh, boys, the male child, and so the parents of this particular son, who is Moses, they hid him for three months. Now this is they couldn't hide him anymore. They made this little bulrush, a basket, and filled it with the ashfort so that it doesn't leak with water, and put Moses in it and let him flow by the bank. That's when he was seen by these uh, maids of Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh was so happy. Pharaoh's daughter was so happy to see the baby. And they said, this is a Hebrew child. And uh, Zipporah, uh, I mean, the, 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 the sister who was there saw that, hey, that's Miriam, who was his sister, Miriam. Zipporah was the mother. When Miriam saw the brother, uh, stood there and saw that uh, the, the, the Pharaoh's daughter liked the baby, she says, can I get you a, a maid to look after this child? And yes. 
And Miriam ended up calling our own mother, the mother of Moses, to raise him up. Verse number nine. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I'll give you wages, you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. See, the, his own mother raised him, and through raising him, coached him and taught him of who he was. The raising of Moses by his own mother with a severe commandment from Pharaoh, God worked a miracle whereby this mother was paid by Pharaoh's daughter. See that? God, no matter how tough a situation is, God can change it to your favor. You see. Verse number 10. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Acts 7, verse 29, Hebrews eleven twenty-four. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to, to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one, a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. See, because the mother grilled him, telling him that he was a Hebrew. Although he, he, he ended up in the palace, he still didn't lose the actual teaching that he had received. See, teachings we receive when we are growing up as children stick with us for life. That's why parents, we have a mandate from the Lord to bring children to the house of God. So he looked this way and that way and he killed that Egyptian. Verse 13, and when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one, who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. See, after killing that Egyptian, and then he went to separate these people fighting the next day. And they said, do you want to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? He realized maybe this now has been known to Pharaoh and was going to be in trouble. So when Pharaoh heard of this, of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Verse number 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Verse 17. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. You see the cross-reference Genesis 26, verse 19 to 21. Now when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. 
You see that also cross-reference in Genesis 31, verse 54. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. That's how Moses ended up marrying Zipporah. You know. Uh, in fact, I was saying that uh, the mother of Moses was Zipporah, sorry. Uh, Zipporah was his wife. The mother, I think, was Jacobeth. And the sister was Miriam. So uh, here he is now after running away from Egypt because of what had happened. And he ended up in this place by the well. And uh, he saw this man's daughters. Because the Bible says he had seven daughters. And uh, as they were uh, there, an enemy came trying to attack them with their father's flock, a flock. And Moses defended them and gave the water to the animals. When they went back, they reported that they had seen an Egyptian. Mind you, they didn't know he was a Hebrew because Moses just looked like an Egyptian. You know, he had grown up in the Egyptian style. See, style of life and everything, you see. When you become a child of God, sometimes you not be recognized as a child of God like it happened to Moses. But one thing will be true, that inside you, you know you are a child of God. Although the, the outside of you might not portray the reality of who you are, you are still a child of God. The Bible said in verse 22, And she bore him a son. He called his name Geshem. For he said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. Acts 7.29, verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. See, whenever you go through a tough time, like it happened to the children of Israel here, the king who knew them died. People who know you might disappear, might leave you. But you see, your cry, when you cry, God will hear you. The Bible says they cried to God for the bondage and God heard them. That's what the Bible said. Now it happened in the process of time. Verse 23 of Exodus 20, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Verse 24, so God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So you can see here that... Uh, God heard the cries of the children of Israel and was coming to redeem them. Well, beloved one, this is an introduction to the book of Exodus. We're going to continue studying uh, tomorrow by the grace of God. And so I challenge you students in the meantime, take notes, read, study, read the whole book of Exodus so you can understand and grasp of what the Lord is talking about. Well, this is Bishop Dr. Loris Mwamba with my wife, Tarina Mwamba, here in Dallas, Texas, signing off from this broadcast and telling you we'll be together again tomorrow. God bless you and bye.
Bye-bye.